Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Aspiring Polymath, also the first episode of what I am going to call season two, just for the heck of it. And um, we have two wonderful guests here today. Um, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Frances. I'm the CEO of Udoka. Hi, my name is Amarachi, and I'm Frances' cousin. Come on, you have more qualifications oh, than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a software developer. There you I'm go. Also a digital creator. You see, a poly, a, an aspiring polymath as well. Yes, that's true. That's no, true. you are an aspiring polymath because of those things already. Um, yeah. You see, you didn't even know that, did you? You see, I didn't. <laughs> we learn every day. Yeah, you see, and maybe, maybe now you open up your own podcast. Who knows? You can talk, talk about fashion and. What's wrong with that? But anyways, um, Francis is here to talk to us about what I find a very interesting topic. I, I think I first saw this. When did you start Adoka again? Um, 2017. Okay. 2017. Okay, I think that was when I that was when I first saw it actually. I don't remember where or how, but it got me really interested in um African writing and well, I already had an interest in that, but it kind of sparked some of it. So why don't you tell us how how did this all start? Like where where did this come from? Wait, uh, can, can you talk a little bit louder? Because just yeah, to make, yeah, just yeah. to make sure, I'm not sure if it's getting because <laughs> it looked like my voice is definitely getting in there, but I don't know. Um, I would definitely say that this concept is something that has been growing in me since I was young. So I'm a first generation Nigerian American. My parents are immigrants. Um, so although I was born and raised in the US, my whole household is very much Nigerian. My dad is a proud Biafran. <laughs> so, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, that's how we grew up. My parents and their friends, um, every year or so, they go back to Nigeria to do mission trips. I always found that to be interesting. And my dad always taught us what it was, what it means to be Igbo, uh, what it means to be a Nigerian and the importance of all of that and the importance of giving back. I always knew that this is not the place that I want to die. Um, <laughs> this is not the place that I just want to stay for the rest of my life. And I've always wanted to give back to those in need, more specifically those back home. Um, so after I graduated in undergrad in 2016, I wanted to do a bit more. I had a degree or have a degree in microbiology, but I wasn't doing anything with it. Really? Yeah. Um, I wanted to go into med school. You know, the whole, you will be a doctor. Um, that was not me. I like my sleep. So, <laughs> but I do like do, making things with my hands and I like helping people. So I started off making necklaces that I would carve out wire and it would say Udo, which means peace in Igbo. That was my, or that is my general message um, for Udo Khan to spread peace. So I would make these necklaces and one of um, my dad's friend's sons, he was in high school at the time, he was, oh, this is so cool. And he showed his friends and he was, oh, I want to buy one. I was like, yo, I could sell this. That's lit. Um, <laughs> So I started selling that and 
my siblings were like, why don't you, you know, do some other stuff? My mom was the one who actually talked me into making t-shirts and everything. And at first I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, this necklace is my thing. I'm just going to stick with it. Well, my mom being the hard head that she is actually went behind my back and made the first batch of Udo I like your mom already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she did. So um, what happened was from the proceeds that we made from the necklaces, we went to Nigeria in 2018. It was summer of 2018. And we donated food and supplies to an orphanage in Portaka. And my mom was like, oh, Francis, I made y'all some shirts. I was like, what? So she took the logo that we had at the time and made Udokan shirts. And that's what we used to wear when we went to go do our mission trip. Yeah. So we saw it. I was like, oh, wait, maybe I can add, you know, T-shirts to the collection. Right. So that's how we came up with the original Udokan shirts. It was my mom, you know, who did that. And from there, I just had so many ideas and I was like, oh, I want to add this and do that. And I was already into inhibiting because in high school, I started reading books by Nigerian authors specifically. Um, and there was one. I was going to jump into that, actually, but I guess we'll, we'll come to that. Next yeah. I <laughs> so I know I wanted to incorporate that into my clothing and the jewelry. Um there's so many avenues. So my first date with my now husband, he took me to the Nikkei Art Gallery wow. in Lagos. Sharp guy. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was our first date. <laughs> and um, we were learning about art and everything. And there were some art pieces where I could tell there was like some sort of symbols, like just kind of like hidden in the art. And the lady there who was like teaching us about every art piece, she was telling us, No, this is a story. Was it, was it the old lady? Uh, what's her name? What did you call yeah, her? I don't know her name, but I know the main woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Telling us a story. Telling us that these paintings have stories and they have a meaning, and this means that, and that means this. And I was like so intrigued about our people in general and women, um, because the women back then, they would have certain you know, inscriptions on their clothes that would kind of tell guys like, oh, hey, like, I'm married, don't come to me. Or like, no, I'm actually available, come talk to me kind of thing. Do you know, you know if your husband knew that? But is that why he took you? <laughs> <laughs> no, who knows? But that was also inspiring. So all these things from the books that I read, the art that I was looking at, my parents, um, that's really what's inspired a lot of the jewelry and, you know, the t-shirt designs of Udokan. But yeah, so what I do is I design and make these pieces and I sell them and I use a portion of the proceeds to give back to those in need. So I've done, I've donated to a school. I've donated to the orphanage. I had a Christmas party in a village in Southeast Nigeria. And during the onset of COVID, we made food literally just packaged up some different packages of food, went out to the streets of Lagos and handed it out to, you know, the homeless people out there just so they can have, you know, a meal and everything. So that's what I've done. That's, so that's pretty good. That's <laughs> a lot of uh, philanthropic work. And I like how when you were just dis discussing what you did, um, most of what you focused on was actually the philanthropy, not actually running the business or the sales mm -hmm. or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that. That, that kind of, puts an emphasis on what what's important to you in the business. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, before I go any further, and before I forget, um, where do you make your shirts? Because I'm, I'm looking for a new shirt manufacturer, and I'm shamelessly going to steal your manufacturer. It's so funny. <laughs> I get them made in Nigeria, actually. Really? Yes. It's all about putting money back into our economy. Nice, nice. So there's a guy in Nigeria that um, I go to who prints these shirts, and yeah, it's like another thing. I just try to... So does he ship them to you, or do you go pick them up? Or um... We go and pick it up, but it was last year, you know, with the whole COVID thing, we couldn't just go back and pick it up yeah. earlier. So it was mailed out to us. When my husband was out there, he just mailed it out okay. to me. Yeah. About how much does he charge me? For the bulk and everything. Yeah. So that, that's that's my my mom's homie, so you know, I got a little discount. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. I'll, need, I'll need to get his connects from you because um, I use Teespring. They're, they're okay, but I don't know. Quality could be better. Yeah. The quality of the shirts is actually good, but the print, not so much. Mm. Yeah. So anyways, that aside, um, so who do you find are like typically your, by the way, I'm actually, you can, you can, you can jump in here. <laughs> you can jump in here at any point. <laughs> if I have something to sell, it's good. Don't okay. worry. Anyways, who do you find are like your uh, biggest customers? What kind of demographic um, definitely like ages 22 to 30 ish, you know, Nigerians and diaspora. That's really like my main niche, I guess. My okay. people who buy from me. I do want to expand out because the door is not just about Nigeria, you know, the continent of Africa as a whole. So I do want to branch out to more people that way. But okay, yeah. I was kind of curious if other Africans were interested in it too they are you know they've seen it and they find it cool and some people have bought but it's not as much as the Nigerians. yeah that makes sense. but it's probably more because of your immediate mm -hmm. sphere of influence okay um and okay now jumping into something you mentioned earlier um do you want to explain to the people what uh ncbd or am i pronouncing that right are you both experts <laughs> <laughs> Um, from what I know, it is pre-colonial writing. So it's the way the people of the Southeast wrote before we were colonized. So this, this one that I'm wearing right now is the Udo chain. So this is simple for the word Udo, which means peace. And we have different ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> before, um. Well, for the audience that don't know this, we we're supposed to record this last week. So before our session last week, I was doing some light reading, yeah. like I usually do for my episodes. And I was reading about NCBDs in particular. Mm -hmm. I think I read about it before, but probably like four years ago. And I forgot everything again. But I uh, noticed um, it's used, probably not the same exact glyphs, but other African cultures used mm -hmm. them. If I remember correctly what I was reading, um, they're used in some secret societies, or they were used in some secret societies. Like, like this one that was called um, the leopard leopard man or something. I've heard. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they would they would uh, put claws in their hands and basically it was a society of it was like a for lack of for in modern terms it's kind of like a fraternity basically. <laughs> Actually, that's exactly what it was. It was like a fraternity for men in society. So if somebody was wronged or something or felt like they were wrong, the whole group would gang up and go deal with somebody basically but they also use those um glyphs to 
hide their information. I think that's what he used it for, to pass messages and that kind of thing. And some of those societies apparently started out all the way in Sierra Leone, even as as far as Sierra Leone. There are some others, I think, I think I saw something about Guinea too. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I definitely saw Sierra Leone. So I was kind of curious if some of those other Africans would see this and think, oh, that looks like this thing that we have too. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, probably wouldn't happen because most Nigerians don't even know about stuff like this. So I don't know. But it's interesting that you mentioned that um, the pre-colonial aspect too, because when I first started getting interested in this, um, I think it was when I went to Nigeria last time, it was in 2016 and I had this, I, well, that's not when it started, but I was in the middle of this, I don't know what to call it. Let me call it an African awakening almost. <laughs> so I, I was getting more and more interested in African history and I was looking into stuff like that. I was actually thinking of writing a book about African mythology. I actually started writing the book, but somewhere I got distracted when I was coming back here and I yeah. kind of forgot where I kept it. But anyways, um, point I'm trying to make is um, I discovered during my research that um, Edo people actually have had scripts too, similar to this, but different. I think they're more like, um, what I found interesting, they looked, to me anyways, they looked a little bit like, almost like hieroglyphics, almost, Mm -hmm. at least the way they were described, but in our own fashion. This looks somewhat like, it could be somewhat be like that as well. So it seems like we all had our own different writing systems or well, not writing in necessarily alphabet, but some kind of script or glyph. And for me, that was almost a relief. <laughs> because one question I always asked myself when I was a kid is they always mentioned how, oh, back in the day, everything was passed down orally. And, and I always wondered, are you trying to tell me that nobody ever thought to write, write something down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I found it insulting. I always found it insulting, actually. Mm-hmm. Especially when I would see things like, oh, they discovered this cave from like 20,000 years ago or 100,000 years ago where cavemen were painting animals to pass information. I'm like, so those guys could paint paint an animal to like, I think they, I read about this um, discovery where they found paintings of different animals and they thought the cavemen were using the paintings as a way to teach people how to hunt certain animals or to know when, what seasons to hunt certain animals, basically. And that's, that's just like writing. That's passing information, right? And I thought about that. It's like, if they could do that, then how are you telling me that before the Europeans showed up, we, nobody ever thought, Hey, why don't we write this stuff down? If, well, I always found it so insulting. So when I found out, Oh, we actually did have our own script. And when I found the, the Benin script, the Edo script, um, it was it wasn't long after that I discovered oh Igbo people had their own scripts also, and I don't think I've discovered a Yoruba one yet, but I'm sure it exists. It has oh, it definitely. has to it has to have existed. Actually, I think I think um, I think I did read about and stop me if I'm ranting too much yet. Okay. I just realized that, I just realized that I'm going on a long rant, but that's why I started this in first place. But anyways, um, I think in the uh, if I divination system and uh, for any Yoruba people listening to this I'm sorry if I get this wrong but in the Ifa divination system they have some kind of script also that they use to save and pass information although a lot of it is orally transmitted because they didn't want their secrets to be 
found by other people, but I think they do have a script. So long story short, it was a relief for me to discover that we have our own systems for writing stuff. And I think more Africans should be in tune with that. I think more Africans should find out about that. If possible, maybe we should go back to it. Yeah, I think so. It looks really interesting, but it looks very, like, when I read about sensibility, it looks, like, really difficult. Because, I don't know, the system isn't, like, fluent. You see one small thing, it's Udo. Then you see another completely different thing, maybe three lines, Amarachi. I'm like, (laughs) where did the A, but maybe they don't even go by, like, AMA kind of thing. Maybe it's more like, I don't know, maybe the meaning of the thing, like, speaking to them as to how the thing will mount. I think that's typically how glyphs work. They don't work like alphabet or script where you're like, blah, 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 adds up to this. Doesn't, sometimes there's meaning to a glyph that allows you to figure out what they're trying to say. So it's not, it's not from our minds, which are, our minds kind of think like we're Europeans, right? (laughs) So from our current Eurocentric minds, it doesn't seem as straightforward, but somehow it had more meaning things were not as you're able to convey things that are abstract better i think Mm -hmm. so whenever you're communicating something you're not just communicating words you're communicating ideas and feelings at the same time so when you were like you were saying where you look at the udo symbol the udo symbol is not just it's not udo it's Mm -hmm. it's that's literally peace that what that symbol means to you is peace so it conveys a different meaning when you when you look at it that way. So I think they're actually more powerful than just using individual scripts. I agree. Sometimes I wish like I knew these things before my great grandmother died. Because yeah. like she used to have like stuff on her body, like tattoos and stuff, and we didn't know like what it meant. And I'm like, I wonder if some of them were in CBD symbols and I just didn't know because I was like, mm, I don't know what all of this is. So like I wish I could look at her body again. <laughs> so yeah, so, yeah. Body. so no, know. you don't want to ask her, but you want to look at her body. <laughs> because she used to speak Igbo, she couldn't speak English, and I couldn't speak Igbo very well. So like I yeah, think yeah, and like I wasn't just interested. It's funny how that was always like, that's typically our approach. Like yeah, I can't speak it well, so just why, why not improve your Igbo? <laughs> you know, like when I was younger, like that wasn't important to me like true, just true. seeing how I was enough but now I'm like ah, I should have taken more time observed her like more and I didn't so I should have thing, our... child like so amazing but she, so funny. she I would definitely say she inspired like mm-hmm. a lot of us you know and like she said like her tattoos stood out to all of us we knew it wasn't the regular writing you know, I feel like I definitely believe it was in CBD because before she turned to Catholicism, she did worship other gods and everything. So I could definitely see that being in CBD. It wasn't, you know, regular tattoos. Yeah, it was like very... branded. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that it's not new to us. It's something yeah. that's been in us. We've seen it. You know, but because of the new age stuff, our parents really trying to make sure that we acclimate to the society over here. We're not learning much of what I believe we should have learned. You know, even something that something that someone would think is small, but something as small as 
being fluent in our own language, you know. To this day, I'm just like, how is it that I can't understand what I can't? It's such a you know, like thing. It's man. so it's frustrating. <laughs> I think you you could probably speak better than you think you can. You just need to be dropped into a situation where you have to yes. speak. Yeah, I agree. And you probably grew up in a in an environment where the few words you know when you try saying that people laugh when you when yes. You know, that's a, that's a, oh my god! This is people are supposed to teach you. Okay, that's me. That's from Lagos. I will go to Obo, and somebody will say something in Igbo to me, and I will try to reply in Igbo and be like, "Ah, so she's a Lagos girl, city girl." Just don't do anything. these people, these small children, they're not gonna tell their friends. And that one she came from Lagos. Don't even bother talking to Igbo. I'm just like, I'm trying. I'm actually trying my best. Yes, so I just didn't bother again. I was like, I'm yeah, that, that's best. that's another issue. So growing up, my parents used to speak uh, my language to me. Um, my language is Itzako, by the way. Mm-hmm. Or some people call it Wano. Where we're from, we call it Wano, too. So they used to speak it to us at home. It was kind of like... It was, they, they used to interchange between that and English. So we would hear it a lot, so we learned to understand it, but we didn't speak it back very often. So sometimes it would make us reply in our language. So I can speak a little bit, but I can't speak fluently at this point in time. So if somebody, if you took me right now and dropped me in the village right now, probably in a month, I'll be able to speak fluently because yeah. I, I just need the practice. I need people to talk to. I know the words. Yeah. I can say them. Maybe I can't pronounce them all perfectly, Perfect. but I can speak. I can speak the language. But my siblings can't speak as well because it's like the as time went on, um, we didn't get as much practice anymore, and so the last two just nothing. They can, mm-hmm. they're, they're just they don't know anything. <laughs> My two sisters said they can speak a little bit, but they mostly just understand. The last two they're struggling to understand even. So it's it's it is an important thing. I think we should pass on more. And sometimes I wonder if two generations from now will my language even exist? I, I don't know. That's, That's what a I feel about question. ours too. Yeah, because like we have like. A new generation in our family, like my sister's kids and some of my cousins have children. And like even my sister's kids, in fact, <laughs> I don't even know if they know what Igbo is. And it's like their father can speak fluent Igbo. Kelechi, my sister, can hear Igbo, but she cannot speak it. But somehow he does not speak Igbo to his children. And I think like I don't even know what it is because he also made a cautious decision to make sure their first name is not Igbo. And their first name is English, so that they have it easier. So I'm like, I don't know whether that is also a subconscious thing where he's like, mm, there's no reason for them to name. Yeah, it might be. In America. And so I'm very, I don't even know. So I try, I link a lot of these things all the way back to colonialism, but as well as the war. Yeah, I agree. So a lot of I would say like South, I say Southeast as a whole. And then, you know, where the Yoruba people reside. If you think about diaspora, you're going to hear people say that they're from all these different tribes. They don't really hear that they're from, that they're house up, right? Because they stayed. Northerners, for the most part, stayed. Whereas the rest of us, we left. So back then in leaving, think about like the parents back then. Of course, they're going to, they're going to want to acclimate. They want their kids to fit in. They don't want those Issues. It's kind of like when Black Americans consciously don't name their children certain names. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear the Stacey's and the Brian's, yeah. you know what I mean? Just so 
they know that like when someone's looking up their name, you know, as far as a resume, their name will be in the pile that, you know, may be considered. So unfortunately, as time has gone on, there, as you know, generations are, you know, going by and everything, we're also getting those things. You know, yeah. so it makes sense that, you know, Leo's like, yeah, I'm, they're going to have American English name. That's going to be their first name. Whereas you have some people who consciously make the effort that their child's first name is going to be Edom. It's yeah. going to be Edom. You know what I mean? Because they don't want that to be lost. And I yeah. think that our generation, we got to make that conscious decision. You know what I mean? Like, excuse me, if I can pronounce all these other names, these German names, you can pronounce Ugona. Yeah. You can pronounce Amarachi. And you will read. It's not that hard. You did phonics. Like, it's really not that hard. It's legit spelled out the way it's. I don't think the difficulty is a matter of, it's not a matter of the mechanics of pronouncing it. It's just, it's, first of all, it's unfamiliarity with languages, African languages in general. But beyond that, I personally believe it's, there's some kind of subconscious superiority complex that prevents people from wanting to learn how to pronounce it properly in the first place. Like, so somebody goes to Starbucks uh, what's your name? He tells them his name is To B. To B. Two syllables. To <laughs> and B. And he comes back and he's called, his name is spelled horribly wrong, like not even close. How does that happen? I, I ask myself, how does that happen? It just, the only explanation I can come up with is the person just heard some name from a language she can't identify and sounds like some kind of African language. She doesn't care. Right, whatever she wants to write. Because if she actually cared even a little bit to, to, you know, actually spell it right or something resembling the correct spelling, it wouldn't look so ridiculous. Like someone that you can't even excuse doesn't make any sense. As somebody with an English first name, personally, I regret having an English first name. I mean, I say I regret. It's not like I had a choice in the matter. (laughs) I didn't have a choice in the matter. I don't know. Maybe I think sometimes maybe one day I'll, I'll make my middle name my first name. My middle name is Osilama, by the way. I think sometimes I might make it my first name, but I don't know. That seems like a lot of trouble. <laughs> but no, I get that because so I had the opportunity when I started my undergrad for people to just call me my ego name. So my first name is my English name. And I got into this one class and the teacher said you know when the teacher's like, okay, what's your name? What's the name that you want to go by? I sh- I literally thought, okay, this is my chance. They can call me by my ego name. But I retracted, right? And I said, I don't want them to, you know, chop and screw my name. Because once you chop and screw my name, now you're calling me something totally different. You know, my name means father's pride. Now, now whatever you call me, what is that? You know what I mean? So I was like, whatever, leave it. Let me, you know, they'll call me Francis. But like now I'm just like, oh. I wish, you know, I had them call me Adure or Ugonna. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, Francis is cool, but people still mess that up, which I don't understand. I'm a good <laughs> uh, I get princess a lot, which is fine. You can call it princess. But, <laughs> but it's just, it's frustrating because I feel like that was subconsciously passed down to me too. You know what I mean? That, that retraction. And so like now, like whenever I have kids, God willing, I want their first names to be Igbo. You know, that's your that's their name, that's their identity, and I don't want it to get lost. Because I feel like our language is gonna get lost. Because when you think about 
people out here in the States and you see the different Africans in general speaking their language. You hear Ethiopians speaking their language. Ghanian. You hear Ghanaians speaking their language. Hey, you hear ah, you you know, Yes. But Igbo people, very, very few. And the ones who I've seen that actually speak like, different languages. Jigas, or like, like grew up in the, like, <laughs> in the village. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I know. And I feel like there's another angle to it. It's just my own theory. I don't know how real it is. But like I feel like after the Biafran War, because I know that back then, like, they would, you know, pick points people and be like, yeah. you, you are Igbo, and then they kill you or something. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like after that time, the fear, they're just like, I don't want anything to come and identify me with being Igbo and then people have some kind of feeling towards mm. me or something. And so like, because even the Igbo people that grew up in Lagos, my father, till this day, my father has never spoken Igbo to me before. Wow. In my life, like I have, he has never directed an Igbo sentence in my direction before. My mom speaks Igbo to me sometimes, but not my dad. Even in school, when I had like um, homework for my Igbo class and I asked him to help me, he's like, go and meet your mother. I cannot help. Like, he would just not help me with anything. He only spoke Igbo to my mom. And I'm like, there's a difference because my mom, during the Biafran War, her father was wealthy enough to not be in the village during that time and have all his kids move somewhere else. But my dad was not like that. He was actually drafted into the military, but he ran away. Yes, because they thought he was the oldest son. They were looking for the oldest son, and my dad is taller than his and oldest son. To be clear, like, the, the Biafran military. Yes, the Biafran military. So, like, they thought my dad was the oldest son because his elder brother is short. Mm-hmm. And so they took him, but my dad ran away. And, like, now, like, thinking about it, I'm like, that's very scary because that's if real. they catch you, that's the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like he was very, very close to the war, and maybe he has that. It's a PTSD. Yeah, yeah, and then he's just like because he also goes by his English name. He doesn't go by his Igbo name. He goes by Samuel, but my mom goes by her Igbo name. So like, I feel like maybe that's something like he subconsciously does where he doesn't want us anything. Like I think the best he did was like having us go to the village every Christmas or something. Mm. But like that's as far as it goes. He wants us to like be you know modern and everything and not be too deep in the Igbo thing and I feel like low-key like that one must have oh yeah it definitely affected people in different ways like so my mom is her mom's youngest sister so my mom she's a twin so she and her twin sister were legit born during the war they don't don't really know much of what happened but like she said our parents were fortunate or moms they were fortunate enough to not live in an area to where it really touched them like that. Yeah. My dad, on the other hand, he was young. He was like a, he was a little kid, maybe six, seven-ish um, during that time. She was a kid experiencing all those different things. So where her dad was so close to it, you know, as far as like being yeah. drafted, that he got that trauma. My dad is like very like, uh, like he's looking for revenge type of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's very much like, no, you are Igbo. We are proud. In fact, we are Biafran. You know, and he's all about all about all that stuff. Um, but my mom, she's she's definitely the more dominant one out of the two. So whereas <laughs> we we grew up modern and everything, you know, in the states and all that stuff, out of you know the wishes of my mom. So like my dad will say sometimes like the thing that he regrets is raising us in America, mm-hmm. um, and not raising us 
I guess in a more evil way, you know, not having our first name Igbo, not speaking to us in Igbo. Because, you know, my siblings and I were like, Dad, like, y'all could have spoke to us in Igbo at home. We're going to learn English in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something that our parents definitely regret. And I noticed it when they started meeting, like, my husband's family. Because they're very Igbo. Very, very Igbo. Um, and they speak Igbo in the household and all that stuff. So, like, the parent, when his parents would speak to me, I'm hearing them answering. But my parents, I could tell, like, they were a bit embarrassed because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm speaking Igbo. My kid can't even, like, really join in if she wants to. So, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, like you said, I'm kind of happy about this, but it also makes me kind of sad at the same time. I don't think Yoruba language is going anywhere yeah. anytime soon. Sure. In Nigerian culture today, the dominant language is Yoruba language. The, the music, mm-hmm. like Nigerian music today is almost entirely Yoruba music. Yeah. If you if you really get down yeah. to it. So yeah. it's, and then there's Yoruba in other countries. There's Yoruba in neighboring countries like Republic of Benin. There's Yoruba in places like Brazil. There's, Yoruba is everywhere. It's not going anywhere. And some of our own languages don't have the same resilience today. So it's it's a little bit troubling. And I feel like we cannot afford to lose them. In fact, I, I think at some point we should start slowly going back to our original languages. Speaking English, I, I always thought this, and I saw this one guy who gave a lecture on this. I saw it on Instagram, actually. I think I saved the video. Maybe if I find it, I'll show it to you. And he was basically talking about the danger of us speaking not just English, but languages that are not our own. Mm-hmm. We might speak English. We're raised with English. Actually, I'm not sure which language my first language is. I don't know if I learned English from my language first. Probably side by side. I might actually have been better at speaking my language when I was a kid. <laughs> enough. But anyways, speaking English, we're raised with English and everything. But we most of us don't actually think in English. Mm-hmm. Like if you notice something that Nigerians say, like you both said it today. Actually, I'm not trying to throw it out there. But sometimes when um, Nigerians might say something like, "Okay, you spoke this to me," like I was, I was hearing you. I wasn't hearing you very well. When we say hearing, what we really mean is understanding, or like you understand the language, basically, right? And the reason why we do stuff like that is because in our language, in that context. The word is here. The word translates to here in English. Just little subtle yeah. things like that. This is why they call us second English as a second language speaker. Yeah. What what they call us again? Because we don't actually think in English. And when you're trying to convey ideas or even understand ideas, I, I noticed this especially when I moved here for college. There'd be especially in the kind of classes I'm taking too, like especially in math and physics classes, when you're talking about abstract things the kind of language that they use, I know what the word means. I understand what the word means. Like if I go to the dictionary, I know what the word means, but I'm not able to picture it in my mind like them. Mm, yes. Because try as I may, I'm not really a native speaker of the language. So I still think like a Nigerian, the, the, the way the wheels in my head work, work they're built on the way African languages work, not the way English works. So it's almost like right off the bat, just speaking and using this language, you're already at the disadvantage 
learning certain things. Now, I'm not trying to make this a sob story, but the point I'm trying to make is we don't communicate as effectively as we should, and we don't think as effectively as we should because we're using English. There was something one of my English teachers said to me one day, and it's, I can't remember exactly what he said. If I'm being honest, this was like, this was like 11 or 12 years ago. But he really got me thinking, like, without language, how do you think? Like, when you think in your head, you're not saying anything. But the way, the language you speak seriously affects the way you think. The way you think, the way you go through life, the way you dream, even. Like, some people would tell you something like, um, when they dream, maybe they, they dream in fr- French or something. something like you hear weird stuff like that. But it really just shows you how it affects your mind. So when you're thinking about stuff, when you're formulating an idea, like, okay, I want to tell somebody this thing, what language are you thinking in your head? Like you, what, what, what <laughs> language are you thinking in your head? I think I think in English, because I, I don't know how I would think in another language. I think I think in English, but I don't know. I think that there is a kind of, there's a brand of Nigerian English I'm thinking in, not in American English. Because yeah. I maybe I'm thinking like you know something like oh, let me let me not go and do this thing but like let me not go and that's not how this thing or like exactly. that's what I'm like let's come and be going but like nobody thinks like that they don't know what that means exactly so, yeah. so most of us even though we speak very good English we think like that yeah. and to me that's the clue that we're not really thinking in English you think you are you're thinking in you can say you're thinking in English words. But the mechanics behind the way you think is still an African language, basically. It doesn't matter which one. Most of our languages seem to have the same traits. Like, even in my language, if I wanted to say, okay, let's go, what I would say would probably translate to something like, let's come and be going. Mm-hmm. That's probably what it would translate to if I, if I literally translated it. And that's why sometimes, without even knowing it, some Nigerians would just... They'll, they'll blurt it out if you don't think if you don't spend extra time really thinking about what you're going to say <laughs> you'll probably blurt out something like oh let's come and be going on come and be going even like leave me alone or yeah. something like that so imagine a world where you didn't have to do that you don't have to take the extra two seconds to filter everything you're going to say and you just said what you're really thinking yeah. i think that would be a lot that would be a lot better for africans in general I completely agree. I do. Child, what about you? It'd be less frustrating. It would for be. For sure. I agree. Because in my field, the clients I have, sometimes I, ooh. Yeah. It's a lot of filtering. <laughs> <laughs> like, even at work, there's some things that I just can't, I simply cannot communicate it in, like, American English. Yeah. Like, when I would be, like, trying to describe something that I felt was somehow to me, I want to say like the way that the person that is one kind, mm. but they are like I cannot say one kind. If I just say one kind, they will not be like one kind of what. But you're like you just get that CB. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? So it just a circle. I can't even describe my frustration because it just does not make sense. Yeah. I just flash it. Do you know the the cruel parts of the whole thing is someone like yourself, you are stuck in the middle. You can't adequately express yourself in English and you can't speak Igbo. You're just yeah. there in the middle. Broken everything. <laughs> Which is why I'm thinking English. Okay. You yeah. may appreciate it. 
<laughs> Pidgin English is a good it's a yeah. good bridge, yeah. but it's not really a language. We forget that sometimes. Yeah. It's not a complete language in of itself. So I think that's a good way for us. It's a good bridge for us to go back to where we came from. Yeah. So we can actually, I think somebody actually proposed that at some point, that in Nigeria they should make Pidgin English. I don't think he said the, the official language, but an official language. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. could actually use it in the office and for official documents, that kind of thing. So that would have to be a temporary thing because it's not really a complete language. There's only so much. I don't think you can use pidgin English in a courtroom, for instance. It doesn't have structure. Yeah, exactly, which yeah. is why it's a pidgin in yeah. the first place. But it's a good way for us to gradually, you know, moonwalk back to where we're <laughs> back to where we came from. <laughs> I think I think that would be a good way to go. But um, I don't know. A lot of people are not in support. Of that and one thing I find prominent, especially in I don't want to pick on Igbo people, but especially in it's not Igbo people really, it's just it's Catholics in general. It just so happens that a lot of Nigerian Catholics are Igbo. Yeah. yeah. For real. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's this practice and I don't know if you know more about Catholicism, mm -hmm. stop me. I mean I was kind of a Catholic when I was a kid, but I haven't been for a long time. So you baptize a child, right? And you know, do your Holy Communion or the Eucharist the first time and you, you pick a name. You pick a mm -hmm. baptismal name. And typically mm -hmm. what? The baptismal name is really what? It's yeah, a European yeah, name. Yeah. You, your baptism... But I don't know if it's actually a hard rule. I, don't I, I feel like in some places it really is a hard rule. Like if, if you go and tell them, okay, I want yeah. the name to be Ugo now, they'll say, no, no, no. no. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you yeah, can't do it. Yeah, like they'll that. tell you, no, 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 you mm -hmm. can't do that. You have to pick something like Elizabeth or... Mm -hmm. John or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So that in itself is already a problem. That might actually factor into why your sister's husband wants his kids to be to have English names. Especially the names that they have. Exactly. Yeah, like Leo and Xavier. I don't know where Xavier came from. No, Xavier, I think he picked that. Did he pick no, that from a Pope brother. or no his brother? No, his brother? Okay, okay. I don't know where they got that from. Okay, I remember um um okay, in the spirit of this episode, Ifwama. <laughs> was, telling, was telling me something about where that name came from yeah. one day. I think it had something to do with... Or maybe that was Le Leo. I don't think Leo was born. Like, who's the older one? Yeah. Yeah. You about her brother? You know brothers, right? No, no, no. Oh, the kids. The kids. Xavier, yeah. Xavier is the older one, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think it was Xavier. I think his name was from some pope or some, something like that. It's from his uncle, whose name is also Xavier. I'm just talking about the younger one who's Nicholas. Nicholas the Pope. I don't, I honestly don't yeah, know. Yeah, there, there definitely been popes called Nicholas or saints yeah. anyway. So yeah. whatever it is, pope, saints, whatever. The point I'm trying to make is the religious influence yeah. drives a lot of Catholics and, you know, in that way, Igbo people to name their kids English right. names and to yeah. use the English names. But that doesn't even make sense in my opinion. Now, now I'm thinking about mm -hmm. it. Because Hispanic people... When they are doing baptismal name, they still like Javier. But those, oh, but they it's, might a have it's a European name. Other name oh. in there. You get what I'm saying? Like you got Maria. You got. You know what I mean? Like there are Hispanic things. Yeah. But Hispanic things don't they have Hispanic names? Yeah, but that fits in the thing. But our oh, name. Not, what is an African thing? What is an African thing? 
There's at least one. Yes, I know his name. But, but his know. name is not an African name. <laughs> well, unless, unless it's a recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Tansy. Yeah. When is is that a recent? No, it's a long time. Really? Yes. Well, Nigerian. I think he's Nigerian. He's Nigerian. It can't, can't be that long. You know, he's Nigerian. Like, <laughs> but, but you know, so, so what these say are like from a thousand years it. old or two. I know, I know, I know. They, they still cannot. Uh, like a lot of our names, regardless of the tribe, a lot of our names are um they have God in them. You know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. would think, I mean, come on, yo, like it legit. You know, certain names legit translate to God's mm. glory of God. So why not accept it? Uh, Somewhat. That's a whole other. Can of worms it just opened because <laughs> yeah. do they really? No, they don't. Because Chuku, for instance, um, again, I defer to our Igbo experts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I think Chuku comes from Chi, which is an Igbo concept of. Yeah. I really but don't still understand God. the concept. But he's actually a personalized. Yes, yeah, it's not yeah, really it's like not God. Yeah, yeah. Your own personal exactly. Voice. So it's hard for us to translate a lot of those things yeah. to English and. Even attempting to do so is already changing the way we think. So now you're not, most people are not thinking about, oh, my chi anymore. They're thinking mm-hmm. Chuku is yeah. God, like mm-hmm. the Christian God, typically. So even that is like another way that the way we think has been changed by the language. Like, um, I think in Yoruba, Yoruba people also do have a, well, not a similar concept, but a similar thing happens with Yoruba people where they use, um, not even Olua. I'm not so sure about Olua. Olua might actually literally mean God. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I know Olonru and Olo Dumare, or Ele Dumare, whichever one, they are the names of the Yoruba God. Like, in Yoruba mythology, that's the supreme God that created all the deities, Songo and everything, and created the earth and everything. Those are his literal names. Those are not, they don't mean God. They're, they're yeah. like the equivalent of Jehovah, like Jehovah Yahweh does not mean God. Yahweh is the name of God, if that makes sense. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, okay. But in yeah, today's yeah. world, people use Olorun as God in English. Mm-hmm. They take it to be a translation for God in Yoruba, which it, it is not. And in so doing, it's also changing the way people think about their religions and their spirituality. So now they most I, I would guess the average Yoruba person doesn't even have a concept of an Olonru as a supreme god anymore. It's just Olonru means the word God. No. So in a way, our languages have been colonized too. Not in a way; they have been colonized. Okay. You've been new. <laughs> like oh, Jesus. this whole thing oh, is always so interesting to think funny. about. Yeah, but for real, surely that one when I found out like Chi means like mm-hmm. personal God and not like. At least in the traditional sense, now they are just like there's no personal god. Everybody has that one god, so they now yeah. follow like that. But even my dad's last name, like Iwu, is not my father's last name. I remember my mom was like that they changed it because the one that he had mm. was like there's no way to reconcile yeah. it with Christianity. Yeah, so like, they changed my dad's <laughs> last name. Even the one that he's because the one he bears is like his mother's. Maternal side or something, just took one last name. They're like, Iwu is not the one. His other siblings are not Iwu. It's only him and his brother that are Iwu. The remaining seven of them are Rugwese. 
And I don't even know whether Arugues is the one that my mommy did not want to take. Or if they took Arugues and there's one other one. They really did not want. Because... I think maybe Arugues is the one that they might not be them. Arugues sounds like something, something it king, like, something okay, king. Yeah, yeah. But like him, the my my dad's sister that is a reverend sister goes by Iwu as well. But the remaining siblings go by Arugues. So I don't know if that's the last name they changed, but I know like my mom was like that's not the one that he grew up with, so he changed his name essentially. See, that's another yeah. whole thing entirely. So this, you can't really have this conversation without bringing in religion also. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I learned about the chi thing from, from Nollywood movies. That's when I first discovered really? That's where I first discovered Because <laughs> I used to like watching, um, I like watching village movies a lot. Like the ones from like, mm-hmm. like, like yeah. yeah. That was where I first discovered the concept of chi. Like you, sometimes in village movies you have, there's a compound and the guy will have like a shrine in his compound where he he keeps, well, not his chi, but basically a representation of it. Yeah. In there, so that was very interesting. That's where I first got the idea from. And then that's known to break go, and I think after that we should go back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, head, we're heading back there. We're heading back there. And that's now that to break up is that I've noticed that evil people, the way they practice Catholicism, is very close to the way traditional worship. It's not just evil people. Evil yeah. people, English people, Spanish people, Mexicans, they all do it. Because, like, <laughs> literally, you say in shrine that that's what they used to have. In evil households, there's an altar that is, like, mostly Christian things. And I feel like even the way, like, they have a concept of God, they think of God like the way a traditional God would function, mm-hmm. where they, like, bring things and then hope that this thing they want will come but that's not the way christianity is and i don't think they completely understand that and i like because this is even the way my mom like worships it. i'm like Funny i'm that not you say sure that. <laughs> if that's how it's supposed to go but yeah yeah you're awakening my religious <laughs> my, my, my interest in religious conversation so you're right christianity doesn't really function that way but funny enough in a way judaism does or did yeah. in the past, which is where Christianity came from. Yeah. So that's interesting. So if you go to <laughs> Hispanic households, a lot of Hispanic households, you'll find big, big, big oh, ass altar, decked out yeah. shrine there for mm-hmm. some saints. They'll have one for Virgin Mary, then they might have smaller ones for some other saints mm-hmm. also, which is, again, hearkening back to the way they used to do their own worship before the Spaniards showed up. So it's all, everybody does it. The English too. Every time... The Catholic Church went somewhere. They would always take something from somewhere. the native beliefs, yeah. put it yeah. into their religion, and then okay, is it good now? Okay, you guys can join now. It's, it's familiar enough to you now, right? Okay, yeah. you can join now. Everywhere they went, they did that, which is why you find people still worshiping that way. So it's not very surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christianity is a very, it's a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for adaptable religion <laughs> over the years has been very adaptable it. yeah but there's something i was gonna say i forgot about but anyways yeah like you said we can move back <laughs> over here before we get carried away how long do you think we've been recording for an hour you think how long do you yes. think i don't think we're like 45 minutes 
Girl, I mean, okay. we just passed 51 minutes. Wow, okay, yeah. almost an hour. Yeah, you should talk about the details of your business, how you started, like online and stuff, and how, like, now you can have like a brand for your box. I feel like that's a big thing. Before we even get there, like, <laughs> I was gonna ask, like, how did you? So, I'm guessing you're not a businesswoman right out, right, right out of the womb, like, <laughs> so you grew up, you got your microbiology degree and thought you want to start this business how did you go from that to learning how to build it how to manage it that kind of thing and i'm sure you're still learning but yeah, yeah. um interesting i've always kind of had a business mindset mm. my parents grew up like i grew up <laughs> my parents had a, their own beauty supply which was actually a big thing my brother and i were actually talking about this yeah. we were the only black owned beauty supply store Really? Yeah. We didn't think of it as a big deal, but now it's actually not a big deal, but we don't have it anymore. But like, you know, I grew up, you know, helping them sell stuff at the store. Um, my mom and her sisters always having having different businesses. Like our family is legit full of business owners, honestly. Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my it's and then so there's this well, my brother and I were little. We had a little Hustle and school. So I would get all the toys that we got from McDonald's and sell them in class. And my brother would steal people's pens and sell it back to them. <laughs> so, oh my god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my! So god. like that's what we would do. So and then my friends that I had, like when I was in high school and stuff, they were. They were like, for instance, I don't see you being a doctor or anything like that. I see you being a businesswoman. Because one of my really close friends when we were in high school, like we were really smart, but in applying for college, you know, they, they're looking for that extracurricular stuff. So when I was a sophomore and when I was a freshman in high school, I ran track. But then 11th and 12th grade, I went to a collegiate high school. And so I wasn't doing any sports or anything like that. I wasn't doing any extracurriculars. And that was the same thing with my friend. And we're like, oh, man, we got to put something on here. So we're thinking, thinking, thinking. Mind you, we were in a community college. I'm like, yo, we can start our own club. So we started a fashion club. And then we had all these people who were into fashion. One of our friends, his name is Ubong. And he's, I don't know if you've heard, Chief Ubong. He has his, like, he makes clothes and everything. So back then, you know, we were all in high school. And, you know, he was into making clothes. So I remember he sewed some outfits. And we had some other friends who were into fashion. And so we threw a fashion show. And so we put that on our resume. And that got us into some colleges. <laughs> um, so that was like an angle too, you know, selling tickets and everything. So I kind of have always had that in me. Um, and I've always been the type, like, I, I spend money, but I also like to save money. So in Udokan, I've been the person doing PR. I've been the person doing marketing. I'm the person... You know, logistics and operations. I'm taking the pictures of the stuff. I set up the website by myself. I had to learn these things all because I didn't want to spend money. <laughs> but um, yeah, it started off. Honestly, Joe started off as a blog. It started off as a blog. Ooh, and I found that actually. I think I found yeah. that by accident. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the way this blog started off, such a girl thing. Uh, I had broken up with my ex. And I was into journaling. And so one of my younger cousins, she was going through a little breakup and I was giving her advice. I was like, you should start a blog because you have really good advice. So I just started doing stuff like that, starting a blog. And that's how it, kind of, that's how it started or whatever. 
And then I started making those necklaces. So it started off as I wanted it to be called Udo, but there was other companies named Udo. And you know, with the whole trademark, all that stuff. So that's how it came up. So then Udokan came from me. So I looked up like different translations of peace in different um, tribes of Nigeria. Chopped and screwed it, brought it together, said Udokan. The whole general message is that we can all come together with our differences and all in peace. Is that what the shirt is about? Yes. <laughs> so you see on the shirt, I it is that, yes, yeah. the female tribe. So you yeah. got the evil tribe, the Yoruba tribe, and the Hausa tribe. Yeah. And then Udokan. Mm-hmm. We all come together in peace. Um, so that's the whole message, you know, that all of our different tribes can come together in peace. Because when you think about Nigeria, Nigeria was, you know, we all know the little history, Lugard and everything. We were all just different tribes. Let's say a whole bunch of different countries, if mm. you will. And because of colon, you know, colonization or whatever, they brought us together. Because of that, we've had lots of issues and everything. But I'm saying, no, we can come together and be peaceful with one another. You know, there's you know, there's things from the east that we can that we can take and use. There's things from the north, from the west, from the south, and we can do things together. We can help one another. Um in addition, I was also tired of seeing white missionaries. And um, it was so, it's just so frustrating to me because I feel like we can go back and, you know, give back to those in need. We know the land. We have family there. We know what our people need. It's not just a situation where we go there, we take pictures with kids and say, oh, look what we've done, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was another thing that drove me. Because I was like, no, we need to be the ones to go back. We need to be the ones to make that change, you know. Um, another thing, because you know, like, when you ask me about where the shirt comes from, and part of the reason why I made that conscious decision to have somebody in Nigeria make my shirts is because I don't put money back into African soil. Another thing I'm tired about seeing is I'm seeing a bunch of, and, you know, no shade but shade. Two, you know, you see the Asians, you know, go back, the Middle Easterns go back, and they're making these nice restaurants and everything. And it's frustrating because we're not seeing Nigerian-owned businesses in Nigeria. And that is so frustrating. You know, we're having this new age colonization take place. Nigeria, I mean, we've never really owned Nigeria when you think about it, you know. But it's so in our face right now. And I feel like we have so many resources, especially being, you know, in diaspora, we have so many resources. We're smart. You know, we, if we can go back for, you know, debt to December, why can't we go back, you know, in March, in April, in May and do something? You know, we're over here talking about, yeah, I got this Airbnb out here. You know, people selling cars out here. People are, you know, building houses out here and doing things out here. Why not take that same energy, that same vim, and go back and put that into our own land? I know we have our issues, you know, the government and everything. But we've got, people have friends in high places, you know, and the same way these other outsiders are coming in to, to, you know, make their pitch and do what they got to do. Let us do that. Why is it that, I know we have that fear, but it's like, why is it that an Asian man is confidently going into our land and doing what he's got to do? It's a little bit of a complex issue, that one. Yeah. So I've, I've personally been toying with the idea for a few years now of, um, going into agriculture in Nigeria mm-hmm. and I think my dad kind of had something to do with that he put the idea in my head 
it's not just my dad actually. There's this guy, um, John Dumelo. I don't know if you know him. He's yeah, a Ghanaian actor. I don't know him personally, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw one of his posts on Explore page one day, and apparently he decided to buy a farm and become mm-hmm. a farmer. And I don't know what part of that sounds attractive, but it sounded attractive to me yeah, for yeah. some reason. <laughs> I just want yeah, it's not attractive. Like I still, I followed him after that, and I still look at his stuff right now, and then, like what he's doing on his farm and stuff. And like two or three years ago, my I think to, like two years ago, my dad bought a farm too, mm-hmm. and then he bought another one, not another one, and he's planning to use it for palm trees specifically. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me like that's where we should be going. We yeah. should be, like you said, building businesses where we are from, buying back the country basically and why not really yes there are a lot of problems the government is a mess all of that but by and large it's still easier to start a business there than it is here you think it, yeah it is i mean it's true it it, you they'll have i don't know for sure but from what i'm seeing and what i'm hearing yeah i would say the stress is there's different stressors. We have stress as far as like, you know, all these policies and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Over the stressors may be like somebody coming in to ruin what you got or, you know, yeah. to come and tell you you can't do this. So do running the business is a whole other proposition. <laughs> but it's easier it to start. Yeah. Like, when I, okay, maybe I should not use the word easier. What I meant or what I was envisioning in my head, you see the English again. What I meant to say is capital wise, it's much easier okay. to start yeah. there than it is here. Yeah. And that is. That's the biggest part of the hurdle, basically. Having enough capital to actually start. And then, like you said, regulation and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, which ironically are in your favor in the long run because it prevents a lot of nonsense from happening down the line. But then running the business becomes a problem if you're not used to dealing with the way Nigeria works and yeah. all of that. And um, there's something else I was going to say, but the thought has completely flown out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yes, the Chinese thing or the Asian thing. But you know, we know you're really talking about China, so I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not beating around the bush. So the Chinese thing is not really like you ask. Why is he so confident to come there and start mm-hmm. a business? It's not just him. I feel like the Chinese thing is a it's a state sponsored mission basically. Mm-hmm. So maybe this one guy is coming to open a restaurant here, but he has the backing of an entire country behind mm-hmm. him. And it's not just the little restaurants that are popping up, it's the loans they're giving here and there. And it's not just Nigeria, it's Africa in general. But yeah. I don't want to, you know, go into that too much. I already did an episode on that actually. <laughs> we went into that. Jefferson and I went into that the Ukwaji yeah. thing. But basically they're trying to buy pieces of Africa. And some people don't like what I say is they feel like I'm putting on my conspiracy theory hat. No, but I'm I'm, I'm very convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. There's, there's like a land grab in Africa now. We have to grab yeah. what, while we can, basically. It's monopoly, like you said. So I don't see it as something that's optional. It's it's a requirement, actually. Mm-hmm. So the hard part is the doing. Like you said, some people know people in high places, but you know, finding said people is easier said than done, I easier guess. Easier said than done. You may know somebody, that person doesn't want to help you though. And that's the thing that's 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 so annoying. Like, I love Nigerians, but we had that love hate 
relationship. You know, because if you see other countries or people from other countries, you see Ethiopian, they're helping each other. They're doing, you're, you know, they're, what's that thing? Is this sushi? Have you ever heard of Susu? Oh, Susu. Is that the one where people have a club and they all contribute yeah, money? Yeah. Oh. Nigerians are not like that. A lot of people do that. Too. A lot of people do that. But I'm seeing in the sense of like, okay, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm part of this business, okay? And you're trying to get in. I'm a Nigerian, Nigerian. But I'm not going to give you the tips and tricks and, you know, how I did what I did. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, competition. Okay. You know, but then you see people of other countries who are, you know, like, oh, hey, come on. When an Indian comes into this country, they're set. You know what I'm saying? They got people who are going to help them. They got, that's why open to them are in IT. You know what I'm saying? But I can attest you, to that. You know, <laughs> but like, you know, our own people, we're not helping them out. You know what I'm saying? That's why so many of them are doing under the table jobs and stuff, because that person that they know that can actually really help them, they're not doing it. You're like, oh, that one, you know, I'm not trying to do that. You know, we're very, let me mind my business. Let me yeah. shoot my eyes. This is not really necessarily a mind my business kind of thing. Nigerians have a very feudalistic way of thinking. Like, okay, so I have this business now. I go out, I spend money, and these guys, you know, they're hailing me because I'm spending money. If I show this guy how to start this business and he starts making money too, is he going to keep hailing me tomorrow? That's really... What Nigerians, that's really what a lot of Nigerians are thinking when they think like that. It's not even a matter of mind my business. It's more like they want to be the one that's on top. Yeah, that's true. They want to be the one that's on top. That's one angle. I think another angle I think of sometimes is that like, I feel like these other countries, it's easier for them. I guess minus (laughs) India, because Indians have different languages, so I guess not. But like maybe like Asian countries, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say Koreans, you know, all of them speak Korean. Maybe it's a different dialect, but it's all Korean. And I feel like it's easier for them to see that person as my person because you people have this common language. But Nigerians are so divided to the point that, like, even if you see another Igbo person, like, this one is from Anambra, like, you are very correct, actually, yeah. even with yeah. Indians. So, yeah, they have different languages, but I think pretty much I would maybe I'm saying nonsense. Yeah. So. But I'll say most Indians can speak Hindi. So yeah. they still share a language, basically. Apart from that, they've been, forget about the British colonization, they've been one people for a very long time. Yeah. Like they've been one civilization for probably one of, one of the oldest civilizations in the world. Thousands of years, they've been one people, basically. The structure of that has changed many mm-hmm. times, but they're still the same people. The same thing with the Chinese. The Chinese have been one people for who knows how many thousand years. But with Nigerians, that's not the case. Again, this I don't want to repeat the whole Ukwaji episode again, but basically, I believe that there is no such thing as the Nigerian spirit. Yeah. Like, Nigerians don't think of themselves, I don't want to say it like this, but... Like we, yeah, when it's like independent, Independence Day just passed. But when it's like Independence Day, like we come out, oh, yeah, I'm Nigerian, all of that. But we don't really, really think of ourselves as Nigerians. We still think of ourselves in little units, basically. Yeah. And 
Maybe that's something that will change with time. I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing to wait that long. Maybe 300 years. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it, I don't know. But I mean, I think it kind of that goes back to, you know, history. Because I feel like the reason why we don't believe we're one we never were. That's one. exactly you why. Know what I mean? yeah. Like, I, so much time has passed. We we had we weren't in the war. We didn't see what it was like prior to independence. You know all that stuff, but still, that has passed down. Like, I'm evil. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's not we're Nigerian. One time we come say we're Nigerians. Whenever you go somewhere, you're at school. You're in Nigeria. Me too. But then once you go into ASU, yeah. like you know, like. People still are in their collective stuff. Even something as small as Jalaf Wars. Why is there a Jalaf War? No, it's between two different countries. Oh, no, it's even more. Who else is in that Nigerian? They just don't talk about Sierra Leone and Liberia like that. <laughs> but I mean, like, some, a Nigerian can make Jalaf and it'll be nasty. A Ghanaian can make Jalaf and it'll be good. It depends on who makes it. That one's yeah. different. <laughs> but yeah, like, we, yeah. We, yeah, we don't see ourselves as We've we never do. seen ourselves as one. Like she said, even within our own tribe, State to state, there's different. Even within the state, you get it. I'm in these states. My husband's from Iron Beach. They met it. In these states, like, but we're yeah. all from Emo State. I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, it's we segregate ourselves. It's it's deep. It's deep, and I think it's because we started off. Everybody was in their own towns. That's what they knew. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden, someone comes and says, "Oh, yeah, everybody come together." Yeah. Like, who is that? Yeah. Who is that? You know. So it it depends on, like you say, it goes back to history. Like, for instance, if you look at the Yoruba people, um, Yoruba people largely lived in, you know, certain kingdoms, the Yoruba mm-hmm. kingdoms. Within those kingdoms, you, like, again, if I'm talking rubbish, correct me. <laughs> within those kingdoms, you find that people are more uniform. Yeah. Whereas then, if you go from, okay, I'm from, you know, I'm from Ogun State, I'm from Shagama, whatever, and, oh, you, you're from. You're from Oyon. Now we're different because yeah. we're not the same people. Yeah, we're Yoruba, but we're not really the same people. Like within Edo State, for instance, um, I'm Itzako and I'm I'm different from a Benin person. Although if you go way back, we used to be part of the Benin Kingdom, the Benin Empire. So as a collective, we're really one people if you go back far enough. So mm-hmm. we have some kind of a division, but it's not Right now, as much as the one that you're describing. Mm. Whereas with Igbo people, for instance, again, feel free to correct me if I'm saying <laughs> nonsense. I think a lot of Igbo societies were more of, they were more, let me say democratic, for lack of a better word. They were more like democratic societies. Like they had their smaller, I don't think they had larger kingdoms. Like they had smaller democratic societies where people ruled with some kind of democracy system. Funny enough, I think I learned this from the things fall apart. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he mentioned this in the book. How they had they had some kind of system of confederations where there would be a bunch of villages and they have the elders that rule the villages mm-hmm. and they basically vote on what they want to do. And they you know, contrary to the Nollywood movies where there's always a, a king, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have that, but we had our we had our kingdoms. But like you said, it, it, they it did they did run it like a democracy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's part of why it's more common there because they were like smaller societies yeah. versus yeah. a larger like for, for instance the Benin Empire then 
before the Europeans showed, before the British showed up, the Benin Empire was like Edo states, Delta states, parts of Ondo states, Lagos states. They were all within the Benin Empire. So it's bigger than what people think. When you think today, you're thinking, oh, Edo states, or you're thinking, okay, Benin city even. But it was much bigger than that. Even parts of some Europe, other European kingdoms, not just the Ondo, not just Ondo state. So it was a lot bigger. Whereas Oyo, Oyo Empire too was probably not just Oyo state. It was more than that too. So it's these are these were bigger kingdoms. So a lot of people that are encompassed in those are really on some level the same people. Yeah. But you know the British just came and drew their lines wherever they want to draw their lines. Oh, and we, we go with that. But anyways, yeah. um, Amarachi, do you have anything you want to discuss about Udoka? How, how did you discover about Udoka? Like, how did you guys have that conversation? Did she just bring it up to you one day or did you find out like everybody else? No, she told me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, she told me that she wanted to start or something. I remember the wired necklaces and I think... You were one of the models. Yeah. I remember I saw oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were one of the models. <laughs> so I did, like, I knew about that. And then I remember when you called me to sign it as a business, mm-hmm. where you went and got, like, the whole patent and everything. So I thought that was really cool. So most of it is just, like, she would just tell me, oh, I'm doing this. I'm like, okay, let's get it then. And, like, she just, like, wrote, like, ideas by me. And I'm like, oh, that's nice to do that and stuff like that. So, yeah, just be hearing, like, she has already done it. She just said, oh, this is something I've done. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, and stuff like that. So, really proud of you. I try. (laughs) So, that's how I know about Udokan. Okay, okay. So, how how many Udokan pieces do you have? Let me put put you on the spot. I I don't know what it's I have the wired necklace and lost in it, so I don't know what it is anymore. I have the um, Zaman, Zaman yeah, Zaman Lafia necklace, which is I think Peace and Hellsa. Mm. Yeah, I have that one. I have the Udukan T-shirt. I have the earring mm. you made. Yeah. Wait, so the Zaman Lafia, what what does that look like? It's, it's in person. Yeah, it's written out. Okay, okay, I was, yeah, I was, yeah. I was trying to. I was wondering, how did you do that with the CPD? That's what I was Those are the pieces. I have a five. Um, I feel like I've got them. I'm gonna, I have the ring, too. Oh, yes, he does have the ring. Oh, you have rings. Yeah. But it's more of like a general. Yeah, like, so I have Africa rings, like okay. a solid gold. Yes, we have gold and silver, but like yeah. solid Africa and then like the outline of Africa. And have some earrings as well. Yeah, that's a that's an area I think more people should go into. Like uh, recently, I found out I wanted to buy um, a chain or a necklace and a ring too, and I was trying to find one that had one of each that had African themes, and it was excruciatingly difficult really? to find one that I that had an African theme that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So typically, they were always something like you know some kind of animal tooth or some, mm. something yeah, it's like yeah. it's like they're always do so i actually got one of those but like it's, it's kind of black and i don't know what it's made of but mm-hmm. it looks like obsidian but obviously it's not obsidian but but i couldn't find one that was like okay it's gold and it's has like an african theme to it 
But check out the website. We got a gift um, mm-hmm. calculator right now all month long. I was going to go into that. <laughs> okay, no, say that louder. Say that louder. Do, yes, do a shameless plug. Yes, there's a code. Yes. So this month of October, because October is my favorite month, my okay. favorite month. Um, we're having a site-wide sale, even on um, already discounted products, and the code is October twenty one. So okay. October two one. Okay, so if you text that to me, I'll put it in. I'll Pretty put sure. it in the description. So um, I was actually going to ask if you have pieces for men. Yeah. So our rings, unisex. Um, our shirts, unisex. Because um, I, I have a male version of this as well. Okay. And then I also have like, I think I call it like my Afro anime shirt that has insipidity on it. Um, it's insipidity symbol on top that ugh, translates to Umachuku, which is child of God. Um the ring, if guys have their ears pierced, like Africa studs, little studs. So, yeah, different stuff. Okay, okay. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Definitely looking for more of that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. This chain. Yeah, look at that one. That one looks more... It looks kind of female. look kind of feminine. <laughs> yeah. I think that was that was what... I think that was what inspired that question. I was thinking I was going to ask you guys. I think I had, while I was doing my little research, I somehow found my way to the website. <laughs> so I was going to ask you about it because I saw the chains and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, typically, women wear chains that are skinny, like, yeah. that, like you said. But I'll take a look. I'll take a look. Maybe maybe I'll in, be the inspiration for more male stuff. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Guys want thicker chains. All right. Yeah, and then we have some dad hats if you like dad hats. Dad hats, what dad hats? You mean like the traditional like cap? Let me see. What do you mean dad hats? I don't think I've ever heard them called dad hats. Really? <laughs> but yeah, I'm probably gonna be looking to buy another chain before the year is over. So maybe I'll take advantage of your your discounts. You should, yeah. especially if you want to get some Christmas gifts in right now. Mm. Little okay. stuff for sure. All right. So, um, anything, anything else you want us to know before we close out here? I don't want the episode to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys have somewhere to be, also. Um, I'll just leave a message. You know, everyone, just kind of try to spread the message of peace in your own way. You know, um, I know it's hard to think that we're all one, but. I do feel like Africans as a whole, we do need to lean on one another. I feel like that's the only way that we'll be able to go back and help our brothers and sisters back home. And that's very important that we do that, that we're the ones to help the little ones, that we're the ones to help the sick. You know, if the government isn't going to do what it's got to do, then let's use our resources that we're getting from diaspora and go back home, pour that in there. We're already taking, you know, when we travel out there, we're spending all this money to go to the clubs and everything. Let's try to put that into something else as well. So, yeah, that's what I would say. All right. That's a, <laughs> a nice message. I like it. I, I endorse that message. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so this has been pretty fun. I mean, we got into a lot of other things, but that's kind of how I like it to feel. I don't like to, I don't like to script the episodes. Mm-hmm. So I like it to naturally and organically 
going to other things. But I think they do concern the topic. So yeah. it's not they're not just random stuff. We're talking yeah, exactly. about the, the game last week or something. <laughs> but yeah. So uh thanks for coming on. This is definitely great. Amarachi, wherever you are, thanks for uh coming on too as a co-guest. Um <laughs> And thanks for listening, guys. Uh, please definitely go check out um, Udokan. Uh, what's your website? Udokan.com, is it? Yes. So it's www.udokaninc.com. And that is spelled U-D-O-K-A-N-I-N-C.com. And okay. then the Instagram is at, at udokaninc. So again, U D O K A N I N C. Okay, I'll I'll link them um, in the description as well. But I I like people to say say that stuff on the episode because I I know some people are lazy. They're not gonna go look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people are not gonna look look there. So definitely nice to put it in the episode too. Um, so once again, thanks for listening, guys, and catch us on the next episode. Mm-hmm.